Salutations, peace and blessings. You're listening to the Kneel Down Podcast. I'm your host, the Commish, and we are less than 24 hours away from watching what could be one of the best Super Bowls of all time. I believe one commentator already coined it the best matchup of two quarterbacks in a Super Bowl playing against each other between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, We are coming up on the midnight hour here in Jersey land. And, you know, I, I deliberately held off from getting on this mic because there's so much of a euphoria for the Super Bowl and the antics that lead up to it. You've got a, a number of people that are overly excited about the thought of the Super Bowl. I think I've seen a fair share of Buccaneer fans within the last 24 hours. It's ridiculous. I, I don't know if these people are fans or if they're just fans of Brady. I, I didn't see people wearing Brady jerseys. So I don't know the extent of the fan or fandom that comes with Tampa Bay. And I've seen a few people, just a few people with chief jerseys on. But the truth of the matter is this is the most exciting time of the year if you are a sports fan. And it's been proven every year. There hasn't been a season where the Super Bowl did not dictate uh, as far as the ratings go as being one of the best sports uh, shows or sport sporting events of all time people deliberately get off of work they report themselves sick the night before they go back to work on monday because of the super bowl it is a phenomenon in its own and we are looking at super bowl 55 so if you've seen super bowl one and you're now at super bowl 55 Unless you've worked for this company for the last 55 years, or you probably retired by now, I would think that the stories that you've come up at this point to why you're not going to work have been overly exhausted. And uh, you can only say how many times you've been sick uh, sometime after watching the Super Bowl. Of course, if you're a fan of the losing team, you can easily be sickened by the loss. But still in all, this is an exciting time and uh as a fan of football i am at a point where it's bittersweet i'm I'm happy that we've gotten through the season it's been a very productive season i believe the numbers as far as the covid related cases was at somewhere at 0.08 which was at a low for a function like the nfl which is outstanding in itself And uh, it's been that type of season from the beginning of the year of football season, I should say, to where we are right now at the Super Bowl era. Um, I can honestly say that I had Tom Brady going far enough into the playoffs, but I didn't really think they would make the Super Bowl this year. I, I believe I had mentioned at some point, maybe it wasn't on this podcast, but I believe mentioning that I gave Tom Brady till the end of his tenure as a Buccaneer to make the Super Bowl. And what's so uh, crazy about this Super Bowl is that it's in Tampa. 
So not only does this man sign with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but he's also playing the Super Bowl in Tampa. And I'm going to give my predictions for this game. So don't feel as though I'm not. Don't think I'm going to overlook that part. But it's just amazing what this man did in the course of, what, maybe six months, seven months with a team he's never played on before. And, you know, it, it raised all the questions about, uh, as, I guess, as far as who needed whom more between Belichick and Brady. And, you know, I won't go too far into the antics of it. I'm not going to go into the politics or semantics regarding the relationship between those two. But I would think that when you're talking about New England and the accomplishments that they've made over 20 years and for what Belichick and that organization did to put pieces in place surrounding Brady, Brady being the nucleus of that team, um, I think it goes without saying that for what Belichick had, the blueprint to winning really sold came down to what Tom Brady could do and the intelligence that he's developed over the course of time within 20 years. I mean, he didn't win every Super Bowl, but that wasn't so much because of Tom Brady. Uh, I, I do believe a lot of what the success comes with Tom Brady evolved around the mechanics, the fundamentals, the 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 composure, the play calling, knowing defenses, knowing his personnel, knowing who he could throw to. This is all relevant of who Tom Brady is. Even now, in 2021, going into his 10th Super Bowl, you're looking at a man that pretty much has seen it been there, done it, been through it all before, and now he's doing it with a different team. I'll go on record, if I haven't said this already, don't want to sound like a broken record player, but I will say that if Brady does win this Super Bowl, if he wins this Super Bowl, I would have him as the best team athlete of all time. Meaning, you see what Tiger Woods has done. You've seen what Serena Williams has done over time. You see how the individual athletes had overcome a lot of adversity and been successful. Usain Bolt. You could go on and on with the number of athletes that had uh, their levels of success over the years. Tom Brady has played on two teams and has managed to go to 10 Super Bowls. And you can't. I don't know how to put this. You can't overlook the fact that Tom Brady wouldn't be or couldn't be uh, one of the best of all time if he was still in New England. I, I think it was just a question of what they could have done in New England this year with the guys they had around Tom Brady if he would have played in New England. And I, I don't know if he would have been successful. I don't, I don't think he would have been as successful if he was this season. But the truth of the matter is Tom Brady has the element. He has the it factor to prove to people that he could still play football even at 43. And I guess the question really came up to if he if he could match Bill Russell for the number of championships that um, he won during his time with the Boston Celtics as a player and as a coach. And he has 11 championships under his name. I don't think Tom Brady will be that durable. But the truth of the matter, he doesn't have to be. He has proven time and time again that he is the best player 
of all time when you're talking about sports and team sports. And with him winning seven rings, the possibility of winning his seventh ring would be amazing in itself. And it's the reason why we are so quick to anoint him the GOAT, the greatest of all time. But people did that for him before he went to Tampa Bay. This would solidify it. This would be the icing on the cake. If he takes that championship from Kansas City, and I'm, I'm going to go into that in detail in a second, but I want to acknowledge, I want to show some praise and, and give some love and shout out the newest members of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Oh man, this is an amazing list of people. Let's start by acknowledging Peyton Manning as being now a Hall of Famer. Let's acknowledge Charles Woodson. I, Charles Woodson is a, this man. I, I can remember when he played at Michigan, how well he played at Michigan and how much of a powerhouse they were in Michigan. And to see this man not only just leave the NFL, but now become a Hall of Famer, it's amazing. I, I've watched this man pretty much just, just flourish, strive, and be that type of man that, you know, you think about Dion and you think about Charles Woodson, Rod Woodson too. Those guys, you'll never forget. Uh, Daryl Green's another one. Charles Woodson is special. That's a special guy. He's in the Hall of Fame. Congratulations to him. Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson, the receiver from Detroit. One of the best things in Detroit next to Barry Sanders is going to the Hall of Fame. Another outstanding athlete. Uh, John Lynch, of course, played on that championship team with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers back in 2002, is going into the Hall of Fame. Alan Fanica, who had time with the Jets, who had time with the Steelers, I believe won a championship with them as well. He's in the Hall of Fame. Drew Pearson. This is a name that goes back to my childhood. And I know he played until I think the early 80s. I believe it was until 83. So this is around the time that I knew of Drew Pearson. And uh, he's waited this long to get into the Hall of Fame and well-deserved. Congratulations to Drew Pearson. Bill Nunn. Now, Bill Nunn, I believe, was a scout for the Steelers. So, you know, for those that may not know who Bill Nunn is, just look him up. But he's in the Hall of Fame. And Tom Flores. For what I can recall of Tom Flores, and I have a friend of mine that's a huge Raiders fan. And in every discussion that we've had about the Hall of Fame, the one name that constantly, consistently came up in conversation was Tom Flores. And, and if you know anything about Tom Flores, then you could pretty much understand where I'm going with this. This man won a championship as a player. He won two championships as a coach. And I guess he's been retired since his championship against the Washington team back in, I believe it was 84, I want to say. And, you know, he's been overlooked for so long. And it's 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 amazing the number of coaches that have gotten in before Tom Flores. And I don't know if it, it's, I wouldn't necessarily call it a knock. I don't, I don't know if it's an insult. I think it's just a question of when you get in. Uh, you want to try to get in, of course, before you pass. But it's, it's, it's the fact that for what Flores has done, 
even to this point, you know, it hasn't been matched. He has one of the best postseason percentage winning records of all time behind Vince Lombardi. And you, you think about Tom Flores and, and, and the magnitude that this man took on in an organization where he had to face up to Al Davis for the extent of time that he was on this earth. It makes you wonder why this man had been overlooked for so long as far as getting into the Hall of Fame. I mean, we're glad he's there. But it's just a fact. It, it's it's long overdue for this man to have to wait it this long. But he's in the Hall of Fame. Congratulations to those guys that I just mentioned that have made the Hall of Fame. Uh, some other notables that I want to bring up before I go into the Super Bowl game. Uh, want to recognize, show some love, give praise to the offensive and defensive players of the year for the 2020 season shout out goes to king derrick henry my man king henry earned a rushing title again this year over 2,000 yards should have been mvp but was not aaron donald aaron aaron donald let me tell you i like aaron donald a lot i don't know if he should have been defensive player of the year nonetheless he had an outstanding season. I believe he finished second in sacks behind T.J. Watt. That should have won it. But nonetheless, I digress. I want to show some love to those guys. Aaron Donald from the Rams. Derrick Henry from the Titans. One offensive defensive players of the year. For the rookies, Justin Herbert from the Los Angeles Chargers. Go Chargers, go. Justin Herbert wins the offensive defensive i'm sorry offensive rookie of the year and chase young my man chase young from washington won defensive rookie of the year that, that probably shouldn't come as a shock to anybody he had an outstanding season i think he had uh, i believe seven or eight uh, sacks for the year number of tackles did an outstanding job with washington uh, another washington product alex smith won comeback player of the year and that's probably unanimous I, I don't see anybody voting for anyone outside of alex smith he had a very good season considering where he was a few years ago near death to where he is now as the comeback player of the year and you know saving the best for last aaron Rodgers, green bay packers quarterback bad man and all that won MVP honors doesn't cause a shock uh, you, you, these guys outstanding jobs this past season you know and you know you, you think about how the season unfolded no preseason games uh, you know a lot of these teams were postponed for days due to COVID and you know we didn't think that the NFL would have a successful season but when you look at the names that I just wrote I just read off uh, you, if you're anywhere watching these games in detail, wherever it is, whoever they're playing, to see how well this team or these teams strive with these players, it does show that the NFL could make things work. It, they can make things work. There's a lot of other things that I could probably discuss in detail, which I won't do tonight, to make things work moving forward for this organization where we can see a little bit more progress and how things are handled regarding who they hire as coach regarding who they may decide to bump up 
as uh, future coaches in, in the Hall of Fame, what have you. There's a lot that's going on right now with the NFL, and it's positive. And, you know, with the players and what they've done this season, outstanding games, outstanding show of, of, of respect, um, leadership. You see how they handled adversity with the protocol that they had in place for COVID. I mean, we, we've had, we were spoiled. If you're a fan of, of the NFL, we were spoiled as fans to see how well this season unfolded. And, you know, I, again, without beating a, a dead horse here, these guys have phenomenal years. It's unfortunate that we're now looking at the end of the season. But, you know, big ups to all those guys out there I mentioned. Also, Coach of the Year goes to Kevin Stefanski from the Cleveland Browns, who I believe definitely earned it hands down for what he did with Cleveland. Shout out to those people out there in Cleveland. You know I love you guys out there. I'm always talking about Cleveland. I'm always talking about the state of Ohio because it seems like the best talent of football is coming out of Ohio. Uh, I'm not going to go on a tangent because I know I got time that uh, I want to talk about the Super Bowl, but I can just I can see how Ohio is unfolding right now. And you see what Cincinnati's trying to do. They have Joe Burrow there, who I think is going to have an outstanding career there. And at least we hope so. I mean, it didn't help that he hurt his knee, you know, towards ACL. But I believe things will get better for him. Uh, it'll probably get better for the organization as well. They look decent near the end of the season. They could improve a little bit on offense as well as on defense, but that's beside the point, you know? We knew that Cincinnati wasn't going to be a powerhouse this season, but for where they are right now, they're on their way up, and I've said this before about the AFC North. Beware. Be careful. Everybody's big on Baltimore. Everyone's big on Pittsburgh, and I get all that, but there's some new sheriffs in town that are coming through, and it's starting with Cleveland and Cincinnati there at the state of Ohio, so let me just show some love again to them. I am the commission. I want to thank everybody that's been listening to this podcast at this point i don't think i did it last show so i want to do it this show and with the time that i have left i am going to indulge in what is going to be and what should be one of the better super bowls of all time but we said that a few years ago between the patriots and the rams and that ended up being one of the worst super bowls of all time depending on who you're rooting for but no one to watch a 13-3 game. I don't think this, this game is going to be anything remotely close to what we saw a few years ago between the Rams and Patriots. I do believe this is going to be a high-scoring game. The fact that the Kansas City Chiefs are three-point favorites, I think, is a mockery in itself. Uh, I understand why the, the Chiefs are favored. I understand why they're favored by three points. Because it seems like they never make the spread, no matter what other points they're uh, uh, considered to win by. And it just so happens that they defeated Buffalo to get to this point. And I think they were three and a half point favorites. So it just seems like it's fair to say that the Chiefs are going to win by three or more points. And, you know, I'm here to try to make the argument as to why the Kansas City Chiefs will not win the Super Bowl. Now... This is where, you know, as a 
uh, I guess I consider myself a DJ. You know, I did do the radio thing for a few years, and I hope to continue that down the road with time. But, you know, I believe there's this unwritten rule, unwritten law that says that, you know, you should definitely, if you're going to express what you feel about something, it should be something that the fans should be able to agree upon and then just shut up. And I've gotten my own uh, interpretations of how to handle certain topics because you want the people that are listening to be able to agree with you because it's what builds up the ratings. It's what gets people involved because people can somehow relate to what you feel. Unfortunately, when you're talking about the commish, I like to be the contrarian. I like to be... I want to be the person that says, wait a minute, hold up. Let me just explain this for just a second. And I'm going to do that right now regarding the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and why I feel they're going to win. And it starts with Tom Brady. And and it's, you know, that's evident. At this point, everybody's saying the same thing. Enough already about Tom Brady. But I want to bring up something in detail as to why I think they're going to win. And there's other things I wanted to talk about, but I'm going to zero in on this game right now. For those that have followed Tom Brady and his career, understand this, ladies and gentlemen. This past season, the 2020 season that he's had with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, was his best season stat-wise. This has been his best season of his career as a quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the age, this is imperative, at the age of 43. This was his best season. The last time he's had a successful season like this goes back to 2015. For those that can remember five years ago, the way that Tom Brady played then, whether people were optimistic, or overly optimistic, if that's a word, regarding the climax of his career. Let me just run down the stats from 2015. Let's go back into time a little bit. Tom Brady, his stats from 2015 goes a little something like this. His completion percentage was 64.4%. That is outstanding in itself. If you're talking five years ago, that puts him where? 38 years of age? So even at 38, that's an outstanding stat. He completed nearly 65% of his passes for the entire season. He threw for over 4,000 yards, throwing at 4,770 yards for the season. He had 36 touchdowns that year with only seven interceptions. I'm not an analyst. I'm not going to sit here and try to break down analytics between the ratio between touchdowns to interceptions, but I got to believe it's somewhere close for every six touchdowns. He had an interception, what have you. Outstanding stats. These are outstanding for 2015. His team went 12 and four that year. They won the division, which ain't a shock. And it was the seventh time the seventh division title that he's earned as quarterback for the Patriots at that year prior to that season they had won the Super Bowl 
by the skin of their teeth against the Seattle Seahawks in the game they should have won, but I digress. They did overcome that game against Seattle, winning 28 to 24, and that was in 2015. So you, I, if you can envision Tom Brady playing his best football in 2015 and thinking that was it, hold on, it gets better. Never mind. You know what? I forgot to add the, the quarterback uh, ratio. The QBR for that year was 102 102.2. All outstanding. Phenomenal numbers. You can say whatever you want. This is what you wanted from Tom Brady when he went to Tampa Bay. They took a chance. Said, we'll give you two years, Tom. We'll see what you could do in two years. And we'll negotiate after that's done. So let's go into 2020. 2020, this past season with the Buccaneers, his completion percentage was 65.7. That's a little bit better than 65 or 64.4 he had bad in 2015. For 2020, his completion percentage for the season was 65.7. So that's about 66%. He threw for 4,633 yards almost identical to 2015. He had 40 touchdowns. Now, the most he's thrown in the season was the year they went to the Super Bowl in 2007 when he threw for 50 touchdowns. This man threw 40 touchdowns this year with 12 interceptions. His QBR for 2020, drum roll please, 102.2. What is the commission's point? As outstanding of a year that he had in 2015, you can make the argument that as good of a season that he's had, where the stats, the numbers show how outstanding of a year he had from 2015, if you look at what he had in 2019, it doesn't even come close to where he is right now. The completions are about the same. He threw for 60% of his completions in 2019. Threw for a little over 4,000 yards. Had 24 touchdowns, 8 interceptions with a QBR of 88. That's impressive in itself. But it didn't get the job done where he felt content. He felt satisfied that he did a great job with the team. And it showed they lost to a team that was the sixth seed, the lowest seed going into the playoffs, I mean, for, for what I can remember, for most of the regular season, this man couldn't even get 50% of completion percentage together. This, this man couldn't even throw 50%, but he finished with 60. They didn't make the, they made the playoffs. They didn't win the division, mind you. I mean, you could kind of see how things were starting to unfold with Tom Brady. And it brought you to a point where even if he was going to get out of this, there was no say if he was going to have the year that he had this year outside of New England. This man goes to Tampa Bay in an environment where he's not that productive in, in Florida, whether because of humidity or what have you. And they don't have preseason. He doesn't know the players outside of what he's seen on TV or maybe reading their profile. They don't have Antonio Brown at that point. So this team is formulating all at the same time while Tom Brady's taking it all in. And this team goes out there and 
wins games, does a great job against this one and that one, come in second place in the division behind New Orleans. But it's the fact that Tom Brady is playing his style, his regime, his his own format, his own forte, his own... This man is playing his way. He's playing his own football, the way that Tom Brady likes it, the way he knows how to play. And he's successful. He's productive to the point now where you think of where they are with this team. And I got to show some love to that coaching staff. I got to show love to Bruce Aarons because I know he probably decided I'm going to change this up enough for Tom to win. You got to shout out Bruce Aarons. You got to shout out uh, Brian Leftwich. You got to shout out Todd Bowles for putting together a great offense and a great defense. The defense for Tom Brady is extraordinary in itself because if they're going to win this Super Bowl, it's going to rely heavy on Tom Brady and offense, and it's going to rely very heavy on that defensive side. Jason Pierre-Paul, you've got Shaq Barrett, you've got um, a slew of other guys, and Dominican Sue, you got uh, Avante David. You got the secondary that's going to be ready to play. And you got Antonio Brown on offense with Gronk that's going to go out there and give their best game there in their hometown. I like what Tampa Bay is going to do, and I'm predicting Tampa Bay to win this Super Bowl. Is it to say that Kansas City can't win? Of course not. But Tom Brady, when he's at his height, when he's at the plight of his career, everything on the line, he shows he can win some football games. He's going to win this game Sunday night. I hope everybody's going to enjoy the game. I'm running out of time. You've been listening to the Kneel Down podcast. Again, I am the commission. I'm excited, and I know you guys are as well. I hope everybody enjoys themselves. Be safe at those Super Bowl parties. I'll have my own going on. Peace and love. I'm out.